It's your radio, the future of radio. It's been said that variety is the spice of life, and that spice is the life of variety, and that life is a variety of spices. But, you know, we here at Serious Business know that that's just not true, baby. The real spice of life is an evening with hosts, Loie and Corey, and their groovy guests. And, of course, their groovy announcer, who sounds just a little bit like Austin Powers, but not enough to get us into trouble. So, join us as we delve into a variety of interesting, sometimes off-the-wall subjects. Now, here's Loey. That always makes me laugh. Welcome to the show. We are so excited tonight. We have Joel Karsten from Minnesota, and he's going to share his techniques for straw bale gardening with us a different kind of container gardening. Uh, I've been studying uh, his website, and I've posted pictures on my website so that people can see what straw bale garden, gardening is all about. It's, um, it's beautiful, and it's exciting, and it means that we can put a garden wherever we like, perhaps right in the middle of our paved driveway if, if we choose. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for coming, and Let's welcome Joel Carson, Minnesota Straw Bale Gardening, to the show. Okay, so we're going to bring him on right now, and if anyone wants to call in throughout tonight, 646-716-9034. Joel, you're on with us. Hello, Joel. Hi, Loie. Hi, Corey. Oh. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank Anytime. you. Anytime. Thank you Glad for coming. Glad to having you here. Corey and I are, seem- are seemingly not in sync tonight, so <laughs> welcome, Corey, our co-host to the show. Corey, Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. I can literally see you. I wish I could see our guest and make the conversation better. I'll tell you, Joel, if I ever go to visit my sister in Minnesota, I hope I can come and see your straw bale gardens. Sure, you're always welcome. It sounds it just sounds like you have a really wonderful place. The pictures that are posted on your website, which is um, www.strawbalegardens.com, that's Joel's website. He has wonderful pictures. He has comments from other people who have tried straw bale gardening. Um, he also, Joel has wrote a book, I'd like to mention that right off the bat, about straw bale gardening, which you can go to Joel's website and order the book. You can download it or you can actually order a hard copy of Joel's book. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a friend in Texas who when I sent her a link to Joel's website, she said, oh, my gosh, I've got to have this. She sat right down and ordered uh, Joel's book, and she's straw bale gardening as we speak. So, Joel, well, could you great. please tell us how you came about straw bale gardening? Whatever, whatever made you think of this, or are you the originator of this idea? Well, I tell you, Lori, at the time when I decided to try straw bale gardening, I, I grew up on a farm, so uh, my entire life while growing up, I was a gardener. Um, mainly, I started with my grandma Josephine, who gardened until she was about 91 years old, was her last garden she had. So I learned much about regular gardening from grandma Josephine. Um, left the farm when I was 17 or 18, went to the University of Minnesota, got a degree in horticulture science. Um, and then started a career, and et cetera, and didn't really have much space to garden. Um, not, you know, the area that I did have for gardening and do have currently for gardening at my home, I like to use for annuals and perennials and kind of my show garden. But my 
my vegetable garden uh, sort of went non-existent for many years while I was in college and early in my career. Um, one morning, early in the morning, I was listening to another radio show, believe it or not, and I heard a conversation between the radio host and one of his callers, and the conversation was about, the caller said, have you ever heard of growing a potato plant in under straw or using straw as your media? And the host and the caller kind of discussed how that would work, et cetera, and it started my mind sort of churning, and I said, well, if you know, a potato would grow using decaying straw, why wouldn't other vegetable plants grow in decaying straw? So I went online, I did a bunch of research, tried to find other people that had done this, um, called my old professors at the University of Minnesota, called the research stations, et cetera, trying to find somebody that knew something about this. Everybody said, we've never heard of it, we've never done it, but the concept sounds like it's really sound. Um, so I went to my dad, who still lives on the original home farm, and I proposed the idea to him, and he said, well, let's try it. So we did it our first year with 50 straw bales, um, sort of an experiment. We tried um, 10 different methods, and we used five bales for each method, sort of like some basic scientific research. Now it's the fourth spring since then, and now I'm up to 240 bales, and we pretty much have the method down for how to do straw bale gardening. And, and now we're up to 75 different crops that we grow in, in the straw bale garden. Um, pretty much everything that normally grows in Minnesota, you can grow in the straw bale garden. So. Basically, you can, do, you can do a veggie garden, you can do a flower garden, uh, annuals. Now, have, perennials are not, uh, are not conducive to this, am I correct? Well, the straw, the thing about straw bale gardening is you, you use up the bale in one season. Uh -huh. So you start with a fresh bale of straw in the spring and you, and you condition that bale to get it into a condition where it's going to give nutrition to the plants, et cetera. The plants use that bale. And if you have that bale planted, you know, with lots of vegetable crops in the top of it, that the, the bale is pretty much going to be used up by the end of the season. What you have left is a, about half of the volume and what you have remaining in that half volume is, is a beautiful compost basically that you create. So you can use that remaining bale, remaining portion of decomposed straw for soil amendments for your other gardens or for your annual beds, etc. Um, but you need to start the following spring again with a fresh bale of straw. So the problem with perennials and even perennial vegetables, things like asparagus and uh, strawberries and raspberries, things that come back from the same root, root every year, is you don't have the same, they're not planted in the bale, that once the bale is gone, basically you'd have to transplant every year. So it's just not very conducive to perennial type plants. And that's quite, you know, actually what you've just said, that's really quite thrilling, because not only are you, um, when, when we're speaking the annuals, the perennials, uh, the veggies, primarily they're feeding our plants for our season, and then we have this wonderful compost. So we've accomplished two things, and there's no waste. Exactly, exactly. All you have to do is go along and pull up the strings that were holding your your container, basically this bale. We're holding this bale together. Pull up the strings, and, and you can spread it out throughout your annual beds or put it in your uh, around your shrubs or whatever you want to do with this beautiful compost that you've created. And this works all. This works anywhere, all across the United States, not just in places like Minnesota and Maine, where we have uh, snow and rain and ice, uh, because we are talking seasonal 
growing season, so that's uh, that's nice. I have a friend who is, as I mentioned earlier, in Texas, and she's uh, very desert. There's no planting. It's nothing but sand. Uh, so she, I sent you a link to her when I first discovered you, and uh, I was excited. I have to tell you, I sent it to a lot of people. And hmm, well, I appreciate that. My pleasure. Uh, she wrote, she emailed me right back and said how excited she was that this was this was something that, you know, she had wanted for her home place was flowers and veggies and things that, you know, she just cannot grow in the soil that they have. So uh, her name is Suzanne, and she's uh, she is a straw bale person this summer, and I have a feeling that this is going to be something that she's going to be doing for a long time. And also, she's, uh, she's maybe 10 years younger than me, which makes her uh, a young woman in my book. And uh, for instance, myself, I noticed that uh, one of the things that um, is, a, is part of straw bale gardening is that you can place it so that you don't have to bend over uh, as we do in our gardens. I mean, we all probably have knee pads for bending down and working in our gardens. But um, I built a planter for my straw bales, per se. It's all open-sided. And uh, it's just a contain, and I put wheels underneath it so I can move it if I choose to. And uh, I'm going to straw bale this summer, too, probably every summer for the rest of my life. You've oh, got, that's great. Yeah, definitely people, you know, they th that's one thing that, that is very desirable for a, a huge portion of gardeners is, you know, regular traditional soil gardening involves a lot of heavy work, you know, real backbreaking labor when it comes to turning the soil, doing your the double digging process that, you know, vegetable gardening always recommends and, you know, heavy working of the soil, et cetera. And then, of course, the weeding that goes on all summer. Um, by substituting a straw bale as your media source, um, essentially you're container gardening up off the ground and you don't have those issues with, um, the heavy work. And the hardest part of the straw bale gardening process is getting the bale from the from the driveway where you brought it home to the backyard and getting it in place. And after that, you, essentially, you're done with your heavy lifting for the year. Um, you can put. All, I always tell my students, you can put your rake and your hoe and your shovel away, and just use your garden trowel. That's all you're going to need to straw bale garden is is just a hand trowel. So. Well, and and basically, I mean, as as you say, you no longer have to have your tiller. Uh, you're not constantly weeding because when you're using straw bales, you do not have the seeds, the, the, the weed seeds per se, that you normally have in the earth. Um, insects, it, it does, it's not conducive to insects, correct? Yeah, one of the advantages we see, and this is doing you know side-by-side -side control comparison testing, planting the same exact varieties of vegetables in a soil garden within 50 feet or so of where our straw bale garden is, we see a lot less damage by insects and, and, and disease as well on straw bale plants. And the, part of that reason is, um, I, you know, it's difficult to, to tell you scientifically exactly the reason why, but I would speculate there's a couple of reasons. One of them is because the plants are up off the ground, you tend to get more airflow and air circulation around the plants. And insects like to chew on leaves where they can be still. You know, they can sit and do their thing on a, on a leaf that's not moving around. Um, 
that's maybe tucked down next to ground level, easier for them to find and get at. Um, and it's the same thing with disease. You know, much disease problems with with vegetable plants are due to having wet leaves for long periods of time. Um, wet leaves tend to facilitate bacteria and fungus growth, um, kind of like a petri dish on the surface of that leaf. So if we get the plants up in the air and we expose some of that leaf surface to more air movement, more airflow, tends to dry out those leaves more quickly, and thus we get less spread of disease and, and less insect problems as well. Wow, that's, uh, that's wonderful because insects are definitely an issue here in my gardens, and I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. Um, one of the things that I was wondering is, uh, now I, I'm starting my straw bale garden. Um, I have, you, I've watered the 10 days, correct? There, there's 10 days you water these bales, and yep. then you, you use, um, I actually um, probably forgot the numbers, but it was something for the fertilizer, 46000. Is that a, the fertilizer, is that a common everyday fertilizer that, that we use? Uh, is it um, organic or, or what? what? Well, I tell you, I, I, put some, I put some different options in the, in the book, and mainly I, I disclose the recipe that I use, and um, I tell people, you know, you don't have to use the same nitrogen source as I use. You can use whatever nitrogen source is handy for you. If you go to your garden center and, you know, you find a bag of grass fertilizer that's cheap, as long as it doesn't have any herbicide in it, as long as it has some nitrogen in it, it's going to work for this application. And then you can sort of do the math in order to get to the approximately the same volume is what I recommend. Um, and just keep in mind that whatever the three numbers are in the bag of a, of a bag of fertilizer, um, in the case of ammonium nitrate, which is what I, what I recommend, it's 3400. Uh, urea nitrogen is 4600, as you stated. Um, there are some organic fertilizers you can buy, uh, blood meal, bone meal, things like that, that'll tend to have less concentrated nitrogen, but you can simply use more of it. So if you buy something that's 1700, instead of using a half a cup of 3400, you'd use a whole cup of 1700. Just remember that the numbers are always a percentage by weight. Um, so if you find something that's 400, you'd, you'd need to use two or three cups of it in order to get to the same amount of nitrogen per per bale. And then we just work that nitrogen down in. That nitrogen feeds that bacteria down inside that bale and gets that I say it sort of gets the party started down in there and begins that decomposition, very rapid decomposing of the of the bale, um, kind of like what people normally experience if they have a compost pile. You know, lots of people are familiar with compost piles. So, um, what we're really doing here essentially is we're turning this bale into a stationary little compost pile. So we need to get that bacterial activity up and up and running inside that bale that decomposes that straw to the point where that straw begins to give up its nitrogen and give up its other, um, its other essential nutrients as well for those plants to support plant growth. On, on the straw bale planting, when, it, when you've conditioned the straw bale and uh, you're ready to plant, do you buy, or, or perhaps you start your own seedlings, but in many of our cases, we go to the greenhouse and we buy either six packs or uh, the two-inch pots. What what would you suggest is the best size plant to start with in your straw bale? Well, you certainly, if you're growing things 
um, if you've had a garden in the past, and so you're growing the same types of plants as you grew in your soil garden, then you can stick with the exact same uh, plant sources. So if you direct seed certain crops, you can direct seed those in your straw bale. We can talk about that in a minute, about how you do that. Um, if you start plants normally in your soil garden from pre-started pots, um, like in Minnesota here, we don't have a long enough growing season to start tomatoes from seed, so we buy tomatoes in you know, anywhere from a three-inch three, three inch to a two-gallon container, and then we plant those in the ground. They've got a two-month or three-month head start on the growing season. Um, and you can do the same thing when you plant into your straw bale garden. For those uh, tender crops that take a little bit longer growing season, things up here like tomatoes and, and cucumbers and peppers and, and such, um, those I'll buy in pots and pre-started uh, containers and things that I plant from seed, things like peas and beans and carrots and, you know, all of your radish and other root crops like that. And of course, we plant potatoes from seed cuttings of potatoes. Um, it, it works exactly the same way as a traditional soil garden, except that we're not using the soil. Instead, we're substituting this media that we're creating uh, instead of our soil. So, so basically, basically, we could even plant seeds. I mean, I didn't realize this. We could actually plant seeds in our in our straw bales? Well, the, yes, you can. And how uh, the best method that we've found for doing that is, of course, it's difficult to drop a seed on the top of a straw bale because, you know, you never know if it's going to sprout right on top of the bale or if that seed might fall halfway through the bale if there happens to find a little crack in the straw bale somewhere. So the best method is to create a seed bed out of a soil substitute, something like a potting mix, a planting mix, or if you have a really nice, clean, finished compost pile, so you have some finished compost that doesn't have you know, weed sprouts and things like that in it, that will work as well. And we cover the surface of the bale about an inch or two inches deep with our potting mix or our clean compost, and then we make rows just like we would in a regular soil garden, and we direct seed right on top of the bale. Um, and then the, when those sprouts come up, of course, we thin them just like we would in a normal soil garden, so we get an even stand of seedlings. And then those seedlings will push roots, and they, of course the roots will go through that one or two inch layer of soil, or of soil substitute or potting mix on the surface very quickly. And then they get down into that straw bale where the real nutrition and the support for that plant is going to be down inside that bale. Um, but so you basically use the same technique. There, there is a point, however, where after you get the seeding done on the surface of the bale, where that straw bale and its and its new little seedlings on the surface are very um, precarious and very tender at that point. Because if you know if you get a gully washer, three inches of rain that comes through, that could easily wash that seed bed surface off the top of the bale. So I always recommend that you cover those either with a uh, like a poly plastic or you can use seed tray covers, which everybody's familiar with seed tray covers. If you've uh, been to a greenhouse, uh, you see those everywhere for 30 or 40 cents a piece. Two seed tray covers will fit an average size straw bale perfectly. So you just put those over the top until the seeds sprout, get a few roots, and then you can remove them. So. That is amazing. I mean, basically, basically we can do anything in the straw bale that we can do in in the ground better. Exactly. Well, one of the one of the great advantages of straw bale gardening versus traditional soil gardening, and I'm talking uh, from our you know you guys in Maine, me here in Minnesota. You know we have uh, 
fairly shorter growing season than than other parts of the country. But um, one of the big advantages we have is anybody who's had a compost pile, you know that when you add some organic matter to that compost pile and you turn it, maybe you add some moisture to your compost pile, you might go out there the next morning, and this might be in the middle of January, and it might be snowing on that compost pile, but your compost pile is steaming from all the heat that's being generated. So during the decomposition process, these bacteria generate a great deal of heat. And it's not unusual to take a measurement in the middle of that straw bale when it's at the maximum point of decomposition and get a reading of 130 to 150 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, you can imagine that heats up that entire top surface of the bale. So when we put these little seedlings in early in the season here in Minnesota, um, plant that seedling in there, where the ground temperature right next to the bale might read 55 or 60 degrees Fahrenheit, the root surface or the root zone inside that bale might be at 80 to 85 degrees Fahrenheit. So the plants love that, of course. Their, their roots love that nice, warm uh, growing environment. Um, so you get much more rapid root establishment by these plants. And it's really fun to do a comparison when you first start straw bale gardening, where you plant one pepper plant or whatever in the surface of your straw bale garden, and you plant another one in the ground five feet away from your straw bale garden and watch the difference between the growth rate in both plants. It's absolutely amazing. I might, I might have to do that. I might have to do that. Uh, that that's just amazing to me how, how you came up with this whole system. Um, you are a true horticulturist, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> well, I essentially it was out of necessity because, remember, I'm, I'm three and a half or four hours away from my, the farm where I have my vegetable garden. So I needed a method where it was very low maintenance, where I didn't have to do weeding on a regular basis and I didn't have to worry about, you know, be, being there every day to to monitor what's happening with my vegetable garden. I can make a trip on the weekend here and there, and basically I do my gardening um, long distance that way. I have an automatic watering system just basically using a soaker hose um, across the surface of all the bales and an automatic timer that turns on and, and waters them for me. Um, and I do, I do all my, I always tell people, if you give yourself 30 seconds per bale per summer for your weeding, you'll take care of all your weeding that you're going to need to do in that 30 seconds. So um, it takes me about an hour probably to do all the weeding for my 240 bales and um, throughout the summer. And I do a couple of fertilization, um, over-the-top fertilization with liquid fertilizer on the plant. Um, other than that, all we do is plant and harvest. And that's really all that there is to it. Um, it. It's so much less maintenance than traditional gardening is, isn't that, that I'm familiar with traditional gardening. So. Sounds wonderful to me. That was my next question to you, and you sort of addressed that. And that was, do you fertilize throughout the season, or does the straw bale, which is composting, provide enough fertilization? So basically, the, do yeah, the straw bale does provide. Um, all of the what I call micronutrients and the you know the essential elements are there, uh, but we like to give some some over the top fertilization. Whether you're using an organic fertilizer or you're using something like a Miracle Grow type fertilizer, I like to fertilize over the top because it, um, especially a tomato plant. I mean, if you get a big boy or an early girl tomato plant up there and you're trying to produce 60 or 70 tomatoes on that one plant. That takes a lot of moisture. It takes a lot of fertility to, to produce that plant. So, 
you, you could certainly produce a tomato plant without any auxiliary fertilization, um, but I like to get a lot, a lot of crop that comes with mine. So I basically uh, put my fertilizer on. Whenever I go to the farm, I'll do a quick little um, over-the-top fertilization with a, just a hose-end feeder uh, to give them some extra fertilizer. But that's probably not absolutely necessary. I just, I just like to have nice, big, plump tomatoes. So. That, that sounds real good to me because I'm thinking BLTs, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches here. <laughs> Had one of those for lunch today, by golly. Well, I sure did. To me, you know, and uh, my my land is not perfect to say the least. I have uh, uh, basically clay, and uh, so you put a plant in, and it just sort of is. Uh, it grows. I get a few of this and a few of that, and that's why. One of the reasons I find the straw bale gardening exciting is because it gives me the opportunity to actually produce a decent crop for all the work that I put in. And well, it's one of the things about straw bale gardening is it's with, with all forms of agriculture where you're growing plants, it's predictability of knowing what's going to happen when you put that seed in that particular soil, knowing what's going to happen and what you're going to produce um, that predictability is what leads ultimately to lots of productivity. So, you know, in a year where you plant in your regular soil garden, well, you never know. Is it going to be too wet? Is it going to be too dry? It, did I plant in a spot where I've got good fertility? Um, do I have enough organic matter? Is, do I have too much clay or too much sand? With a straw bale, every year you might buy your straw bale from a different supplier, so it might be a little longer, a little taller, a little wider, but essentially it's always the same makeup. It's always made of straw. And you know if you treat it using the same conditioning recipe from one year to the next, you can predict ahead of time exactly what type of media that you're going to be dealing with. So if you have a plant that you planted this year and it did really well, you know next year if you plant that same plant, it's, still, it's going to do really well. If you happen to plant something that maybe doesn't really do very well, then you know not to plant that plant the, the following year either. So it gives you lots of predictability which is really ultimately what leads to high productivity when it comes to gardening. Um, so, you know, from, from that standpoint, you could certainly use what's left over from your straw bale garden for the next couple of, of seasons to help modify your existing heavy clay soil, and, and you might go back and try some things in your heavy clay soil that um, that maybe you don't have room for in your straw bale garden or that are more perennial in nature that you don't want to use your straw bale garden for, and you'll be surprised how much that amendment that you've added to your clay soil will have helped remedy some of those problems that come with a heavy clay type of environment. And, and that's, a, you know, I've always wanted to plant asparagus, and, and I do time and time again, and, and I am not successful. Uh, asparagus, of course, is a perennial, supposed to come back, my favorite veggie, but my property is not conducive to asparagus. So that's, you know, by doing the straw bale gardening, utilizing what is left at the end of the season, Perhaps I can create a bed that would be conducive to the asparagus in the future. And it would be nice to have edible asparagus. Yes, I've been buying asparagus, and I'm telling you, uh, you can use the tips, and, and it seems like everything I've bought, the stalks are just uh, tough, really tough. Tougher than yeah. chewing chew. Yeah. And so now, uh, straw and hay are not the same thing, correct? Oh, this is a, this is a common question I get all the time. 
um, especially from, and I like to call them city slickers, but the, the city folk, they, they sort of generalize and they tend to call everything hay bales. Well, how's your hay bale gardening? How's your hay bale? And you're right when you say that. There's a really big difference between straw and hay. Uh, straw being, of course, the stock portion of a small grain plant, like an oats or a wheat or a barley or a rye, etc. Um, and that the stock portion happens to be hollow, sort of cylindrical, almost if you think of a drinking straw um, in a straw bale. The straw, of course, is yellow or gold in color because it's the dried up portion of the stock. Now, if we compare that with hay, hay tends to be sort of a generic term for uh, grass hay or alfalfa hay is really when farmers refer to hay as a feed source, it's usually alfalfa hay. And hay, of course, is green, and the stalks of the hay plant tend to be real stiff and wiry and definitely not hollow. Um, those characteristics make the two make the straw very desirable and make the, the hay probably less desirable. It would still work for this type of gardening, um, but it's not as desirable as straw, certainly. Does it, it, does it produce as, it does not produce as large a crop either, does it? Because well, it's not so much the production of the crops. It will produce a good crop, but there's a few disadvantages. One is because hay tends to decompose more slowly, it tends to stink a little bit more during the decomposition process, so you get more of a smell with it. Um, it also is a, it's full of carbohydrates, so it tends to be more of a food source. Uh, well, when you're outside and you're providing a food source, of course, you're going to get the deer and you're going to get other things that are going to come and want to eat off of that hay bale until it begins to really decompose. You also get more problems with mice and, and rodents, etc. where the straw is not a food source. Um, the other big advantage of the straw is because we have those cylindrical structures where, you know, it's hollow like a drinking straw, Moisture will tend to wick up inside of the stems of that straw, and wherever moisture goes, of course, bacteria follows. So when there's moisture inside of the straw particles as well as outside of the straw particles, you tend to get very quick decomposition because that entire piece of straw is inside and outside is covered with bacteria. So it begins a, a very rapid decomposition. Um, versus hay, which really is only going to decompose from the outside in because the the stalks, per se, are not hollow uh, like they are with straw. So it's just a difference in physiology and biology of the plant. It makes a really big difference in how effective it is for our application. Well, that's, that's very interesting, and, and uh, I guarantee you that probably none of us really realize that straw is hollow and hay is solid. So uh, I, I really, not not being a city slicker, but having that um, that knowledge. I didn't have that knowledge. I, I just thought straw and hay were pretty much the same until I was reading uh, what you had said on your website. And I want to take a minute and just remind everyone that Joel has wrote a book. It's available online for download. It's also available as a hard copy. And, and I really request that you go to Joel's website, which is www.strawbalegardens.com. Uh, Joel Karsten is our guest tonight, and uh, this is just, this is so exciting to gardeners. I, um, and if you're not a gardener, but you want to be a gardener, I cannot think of a better way to start out because you're going to not have to pull a lot of weeds. You're not going to have to bend over. You're not going to have to go out and run a rototiller and, and kill the earth. I mean, this is uh, 
This is really great. And I, I do know that straw is pretty smelly, Joel. I mean, I've been around it enough that I do know that, not straw, but hay is smelly. Um, and because of the, de the rapid de decomposition, um, that didn't come out right, but you know exactly what I mean. Uh, straw is not as quite as smelly. Right, yeah, it decomposes so quickly that it doesn't have a lot of time for the fungus and the bacteria to really grow and colonize inside that bale because it, the straw is decomposing so quickly, the fungus and the bacteria sort of decompose along with it. So it won't give you nearly as much of a smell during that process as, as uh, you will get with, with hay, definitely. Um, the, the main agricultural purpose and use for straw is, of course, for animal bedding. And in the agricultural field, you know, you bed your horses, you bed your pigs, and you bed your sheep or whatever with straw because straw is so absorptive. It'll suck up and absorb moisture and hold that moisture inside the straw particles. Um, and you can imagine if you leave the straw compressed in the form of a bale, you have a lot of volume of moisture holding capacity in sort of a very dense, um, compact form. Um, a common question I get, Loie, is people will say, can I take my straw bale and break it open and spread it across the ground and then plant my stuff right in that straw? And you really can't do that. You won't be very effective if you do that. And the reason is because once you lose the compression that you get with a straw bale, where, of course, bales are made by hydraulic pressure inside of a machine and then they're tightly wrapped with strings to hold that compression together, it's that compression that gives us the density that allows for the moisture holding capacity to support a plant's roots. Once you break that bale open and distribute that straw out across the ground, you're going to get much less moisture holding capacity per, you know, cubic foot of volume of straw that you have. So it needs to stay in the form of a bale in order for it to be effective. People will say, can I take it apart and shove some straw down in my my containers on my patio and then plant my annuals in the in the straw, you really can't do that. It won't work very well. Um, and the reason is because you don't have that compression. You don't have that density. That makes sense to me. That that makes a lot of sense. Now I I have my straw bales and when and I have I went and I bought some heirloom tomatoes. I didn't buy an awful lot of plants. I bought some heirloom tomatoes, some cucumbers. Uh, I trained my cucumbers to uh, go up a fence-like structure because I, I don't like them laying on the ground, which probably sounds silly, but they grow nice and straight, and I've always planted them so they go up like a trellis. And Great. So my planter has, like, you know, a backdrop with this wire so that my cucumbers, and how I'm going to, to plant it is I'm going to put my cucumbers across the back of the bale, and then I'm going to put two tomatoes in, which doesn't sound like a lot probably, but I'm only doing two bales this year. And then here's a question I have. I left my planter, which is, you know, substantial size uh, to fit two bales, open on all the sides. Can, do, is it possible, is, would, this, would the bale support if I made holes in the outside of the bales, not the top, but the outsides, and just tuck petunias or something in to grow down. Is that feasible? Have, have you tried anything like planting other than just the top? Yeah, I would suggest doing annuals right in the sides of the bales. The annuals tucked right in the sides of the bales. You do petunias, um, all kinds of different plants work well. 
So I didn't have this brilliant new idea. It's been done, right? <laughs> uh, well, we, we do um, all kinds of things in the sides. You can try herbs. Herbs work really well in the sides of the bales. If you want to do some basil, thyme, or oregano, or whatever. Um, you can also do... Um, We've done all different forms of annuals. Marigolds work really well, and marigolds have a real natural pesticidal capacity. So uh, they work well to prevent insect problems from the plants that you put on the surface of the bales. Uh, so that type of thing works well. And another idea for you, if you tip your bale to the side before you put your plants in the top of it, tip your bale over a little bit, and right underneath the edge of the bale, about two or three inches under the edge, just slip a cutting of a potato under there. And that potato plant will sprout out from under the side of the bale. And at the end of the growing season, you can go tip your bale over after you pick your tomatoes, et cetera, tip the bale over, and you'll see a pile of potatoes have grown under the bale but on top of the soil. Oh, my gosh, you're kidding. How no, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. Sorry, I lost my tin. I had to get up and, and get it. And it was more of Oh, no problem. So now you can have... Try to get the pen and to say something. <laughs> now, I, now I can have. Now you can have your vegetables, your your heirloom tomatoes, or your or your cukes on the surface of the bale, and you can have a few annuals and maybe a basil or a couple of herbs in the side of the bale, and under the bale you can grow a potato or a couple potato plants. So now you actually we slice the do we slice the potato in half and put it under, or just put a whole potato? Well, you just use seed seed potatoes. You know, there's sort of a trick when you cut potatoes to plant them. They need to in, include an eye section when you cut a potato. So if you've got an eye, um, if you've got a technique for cutting seed potatoes, you can certainly cut your own or you can buy them already pre-cut. And somebody goes through the process of figuring out where the eyes are on the potato and they sort of cut the chunk out that includes one of the eyes so it'll sprout. Um, it doesn't have an eye, it won't sprout. Go to the greenhouse and buy them because... Uh the only uh, eyes I ever cut out of my potatoes are when I'm getting ready to cook them, and I toss that part away. And so right. I'm not sure I'm not sure if there's a technique to this or not. But we have a wonderful uh, greenhouse here in our town of Richmond, Maine, uh, Enterprise Farm, and the gentleman that owns it has owned it like forever and a day. And he is he's very knowledgeable about plants, and he's very he's very good about you know sharing his knowledge with those of us that come in and and want to do this, that, and the other. As a matter of fact, I uh, uh, was telling them uh, about straw bale gardening, and, and um, they were kind of excited about this, too. So we, I'm telling you, Joel, between you and I, Richmond may, may become the straw bale gardening center of Maine. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to send you pictures of mine when uh, I, I see, I've seen a lot of pictures of the different... Uh, bales, um, and and I'm going to have to send you pictures of mine because I just, you know, I just have this feeling I'm going to have the most beautiful tomatoes. And uh, I didn't, I when I bought them this year, I always tried to do the old heirloom tomatoes, and I can't even tell you I bought two different ones, and I don't even remember the names. They just one was July 4th. I do remember that. Okay. Uh, and the other one I don't remember. But they looked un, like uncommon names to me, and they're um, they're supposedly pretty good sized round tomatoes, and so I'm I'm just I just cannot wait 
to sink my teeth into those. Oh, I'm a big fan of heirloom tomatoes, so I uh, grow a few brandy wines and a couple of other ones as well. So um, I'm a big, big fan of it. I like the big red ones too, but I also like some of the heirlooms, and I, I think it's uh, one of my favorite things that I grow in the garden. So um, one other quick thing I wanted to mention to you, as you get, or, or to your to your listeners as well, as you get started with the the gardening process, one technique that works really well is to put a row of straw bales, you know, whether that's two or three or four or five, even five in a row, um, and put a stake at the end of each um, end of that row of bales. And then you can stretch uh, with the French dub and a spalier wire between those stakes from one side of the straw bales to the other. And basically what you're going to do is create a, um, a set of wires above your bale. Um, this set of wires works great for a couple of different things. It works to support, of course, all your vining plants, anything that's going to climb up that wire and, and use that wire for support. Um, the other thing it does is it provides a method for you to wrap uh, some poly across the top. If you, if you start your first wire about 10 inches above the surface of the bale, now you can tuck that plastic poly underneath the strings on one side of the bale, Come up over that first wire, so you're about 10 inches off the surface of the bale, and then tuck the plastic onto the string on the other side of the bale. Now you've created a little tent over the surface of your bale. So it works great to keep um, some of the heat in, to protect your little seedlings as they get started growing. And even if you have early crops that you've put out there and you want to protect them from frost at night, um, it works well for that as well. You don't have to go out and put individual cover caps on, on your plants. You can just pull a sort of a little tent over the surface and it works it works really well we started doing that a couple of years ago and um it sort of serves several purposes but at the end of the season too you can just rake the straw from last from this past season's bale out of the way and put your new bales right between those posts you know as long as you buy the same size bales you they'll fit right between those posts again that's that's wonderful you know uh two weeks ago here in maine we had a we had a pretty hard frost and um, it's been an unusual season here. We have, uh, I have lilies that are blooming and almost past at this point in time where they would just be starting. My irises are ready to bloom, and that's uh, somewhat early for here. And across the street from my house, there is this whole wall of bamboo, which is not my favorite thing, but it does create a nice barrier. Uh, it's better than looking at uh, the parking lot across the street from me. I do not live in the country. I live in, in within the village. And the tops of all of the bamboo are just dead from the frost. Hmm. Got frozen in the frost. Yeah, that's that happens. Here I have some hostas that got nipped right on the surface of the leaves in my yard. And start, they're starting to come back now again, but... They were up, you know, six inches or so, eight inches tall when we got our, a last frost that came through here in Minnesota. I mean, we still, we aren't even out of the woods yet. We could still get a killing frost in this part of Minnesota. So, but like you, we're about two, two and a half weeks ahead of normal schedule in terms of weather here. So, um, a lot of things were up and, and got some frost damage early on. But, um, luckily I didn't have my tender plants in the Strawville Garden yet. They just went in this last weekend. So, we're in the hopefully we're in the clear now, but you never know. Yeah, if you go through Mankato uh, frequently, which which I know that you do, Mankato 
and Richmond, Maine, where I am at, are, are on the same uh, lines, uh, not longitude, but latitudinal lines. Latitude. So, so your weather in Mankato and our weather in Maine is almost identical at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, our farm is only about 80 miles or so, 90 miles south of Mankato, so very, very similar weather, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just, um, it's interest. This has been very interesting weather that we've been having. We had, uh, and I know that you in in your general area also had a very nice warm trend during. Uh, let's see, must have been uh, February, and then in March we had uh, some really warm weather, and then you guys had snow. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. It's just, uh, it's it's very strange weather, and and it makes it. Uh, quite iffy. I don't, you know, you don't know whether to put your stuff in. You don't know, you know, it. you don't know what to do. And with this, this plastic, uh, the wire and plastic grid, that would be, you, you could almost put your plants in and, and just use that plastic as protection if an unexpected frost. Yeah, it'll protect the plants down to about 20 degrees Fahrenheit or so air temperature. And part of the reason it helps protect it as well is earlier we talked about how that straw bale is decaying inside and producing heat. And if you can trap some of that heat energy that's coming out of that bale and, and hold that inside of your little tent that you've created above the bale, um, that certainly helps protect the plants as well. So um, not only will it protect it from frost, but even covering those plants when you have a real cool night creates more of a greenhouse effect where it holds in that, that heat of the day and the plant will tend to fill out better and grow grow better. It's kind of a misnomer. People think very often that, that plants only grow when the sun is out, and that's really not necessarily true. Plants do lots of cell development, and of course photosynthesis takes place when they have sunlight, but they'll also do regenerative growth, and they'll fill out those cells at night, um, especially if, they're, if the roots are warm and if they're in a pretty warm environment. The plants will continue to grow um, during the evening as well, even when it's dark. So in Minnesota here, you know, we don't have uh, we don't have a very long growing season, you know, just like you guys don't. Um, but what growing season we do have, we can certainly help by keeping those plants warmer at night. Um, and of course, without having to pay the heat bill to have a to have a greenhouse, which um, you know, of course, you have to pay energy costs to, to heat up a greenhouse. So that that's. Uh, it's not really possible for many people, but really what we're creating with this Strabo garden with the little plastic cover over the top, the little plastic tent over the top is a miniature little greenhouse. I, I uh, worked at a greenhouse for a number of years, and um, we, needless to say, had uh, all kinds of things of, for equipment. We had uh, our heaters, our furnaces. Uh, people don't think of greenhouses as having to have that kind of thing, but you get, we do. Uh, it just, you know, it doesn't happen naturally. Um, Corey, do we have a question? Yeah, we are going to bring on a caller. We're down to the last pretty much 15 minutes, so if anyone wants to call in after this caller, 646-716-9034. That's the first time in a long time I've said zero without saying oh. Here's our caller. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, caller. Your name? Hey, it's Roseanne. Okay. And welcome to the show. You have a question for our guest, Joel? Well, I missed I miss the beginning of the show, and I was wondering um, about the, the the prepping process. 
Oh, we could go over that, can't we, Joel, how she would prep the, her straw bales? Yeah, the prepping process basically involves 10 days of watering every day, um, and you want to add some nitrogen fertilizer to the bales, some source of nitrogen, whether that's organic or, or chemical nitrogen fertilizer. Um, basically every other day, about a half a cup or so, and then uh, on the last three or four days you can cut that right in half and just wash that nitrogen down into the bale and keep those bales wet. And by you'll see by about the 12th day or so, the bales will have gone through the heating process and then they'll begin to sort of cool down and that's the point where you can go ahead and do your planting. Um, the straw won't look at that point like it's completely decomposed, but you don't have to panic. Just go ahead and put your plants right in there, even though it looks like it's still, it still looks like straw when you do your planting. Because as soon as the little tender roots from that plant get down into the root zone, that straw will have decomposed at that point to the point where it'll start to give up its nutrients to support that plant's growth. Uh, so it's a pretty quick process. You know, you start with a fresh bale of straw, and 12 days later you're ready to plant. So it doesn't take very long. Oh, okay. Um, I start my seeds inside, and so I, because we have a bad wind problem where I live, I don't like to have anything too small outside. Okay. And that's okay to do it with prep seedling with larger seedlings as opposed Absolutely. to from seed. Absolutely. Just go ahead and and take your hand trowel and jab it down into that bale and rock it back and forth a little bit to make a, a spot, a crack in the bale big enough um, that you can get your seedling, you know, with its root root structure down in there and water it in real good. If you need to, if you need to heal in the plants, meaning seal them up, um, don't use a shovel full of soil. Instead, use potting mix or a soilless um, planting mix because if you use a shovel full of soil, now you're going to introduce weed seeds and potential you know, bacteria and fungus and things on the surface of that bale that come with your soil, potential soil-borne problems. Um, if you use some potting mix, it's going to be weed-free. Um, you're going to use that to seal up any exposed roots from those seedlings that you transplant. Um, and you'll see that, that the plants will root right into that bale and they'll take right off. So. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. You can see lots of pictures. If if anybody is a fan of Facebook out there, you can go on uh, Learn to Grow a Strawbell Garden, which is our fan page. Um, I started about, see, it'll be about eight weeks ago now. I started one day somebody said, hey, you should start a fan page on Facebook. So I started it, and within uh, just two weeks or so, I had over 3,000 people that were fans of the page. And now we've got all kinds of people that are growing. Um, looks like there's just over 6,000 people now that are that are members are approaching 6,000, and they're starting to post pictures of their garden as their garden is growing and sort of talk about their um, what they're experiencing and if they're having any problems, they, they discuss the issues that they're having. So it's really a good place, sort of a um, discussion along with learning uh, part of the process, and you can see lots of pictures of all different forms of, of strawberry gardens on that page. So I would encourage people to check it out, of course, you know, if you have a Facebook account, it should be real easy to search for Learn to Grow a Strawbell Garden um, group. Uh, I guess it's called a fan page. Uh, I'm not a real yeah, technical like, guy. I'm big, big on, on Facebook. <laughs> I'm Facebook okay. all the time. So. Okay. Well, check it check out. It out. Learn, learn to Grow a Strawbell Garden, it's called. I think everything is Facebook-centered now. So, everyone, you can like this. <laughs> And you click the little like button, thumbs up, you know, you like it, and it's 
is called Learn to Grow a Strawberry Garden, and it's got a great little picture there of him sticking a plant into a well strawberry. <laughs> I've uh, I've been to Joel's band page, and and uh, the the photos um, are just so impressive of what what we uh, in our own gardens can accomplish with with straw bales. Uh, there's a picture I sent out reminders to everyone on my list tonight, and I included one of, uh, I hope it's okay, Joel, I included a picture from Joel's webpage of one of his straw gardens, and uh, if that doesn't get you excited, then you're not a gardener, because that <laughs> you see the lush growth on the, coming from these hay bales, I mean, uh, I think I actually saw potato leaves on some of the pic- on one of the pictures, and they were the biggest, most beautiful, bright green, lush leaves that you've ever seen. So I can just imagine what's happening inside that straw bale. Uh, so I, I, well, I have an, I have an for black thumb, so I've been trying to, and I'm find a way to actually have a garden. It's, it's the whole soil issue here because it's all clay. Like mine, I just can't grow anything here. I think that I think that Joel has actually came up with a method that's going to, that would work across the United States for everyone that has soil problems. Those of us who are older, which probably doesn't include me very much, really. Um. <clears throat> um, I think it's you know I think the fact that I don't have to get out and walk behind a rototiller and, and struggle with that. Uh, I think that uh, the fact that you're basically weed-free, minimal weeding, minimal bending, the things that uh, that we used to do when we were younger that are not quite so easily done nowadays, this resolves so many problems. And then, I mean, here we have our, our compost afterwards. We're, we're utilizing everything. There's no waste. How, how great is that? I mean, we're all going green, and we're trying to, to help our, our, our Mother Earth, and, and what better way than to to straw bale garden, reap the the produce and, and the, the benefit of that, composting afterwards. Wow. Joel, you've really hit the nail on the head with this. Well, you oh, know, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I've discovered after I uh, got the fan page and uh, printed my guide, how to, how to do straw bale gardening, um, I've had all kinds of emails from people that have said, hey, I've been doing this for years. You know, my dad used to do this 20 years ago, and my grandma used to do this 30 years ago. Um, and other people, you know, I've told about this idea, and they always think you're crazy when you first start doing it until they see the results a couple of years down the road. Um, I have a good personal example of this. I have a younger sister who was uh, is still um, a big gardener, and for years when I started my strawberry garden, she would plant her normal soil garden right next to where my strawberry garden was. Now it's four years later, she's completely into straw bales now instead of uh, soil gardening. So I've converted over. She she loves the idea of less work and better production, more predictability. Predictability leads to productivity. That's what I constantly preach in my classes about straw bale gardening. Um, and another thing I want to say before our time is up this evening is that you do give classes on straw bale gardening in Wisconsin and uh, Minnesota, correct? Yeah, Wisconsin and Minnesota, you know, it's it's not real feasible for me to go to other places in the country to, to teach a straw bale gardening class. Uh, unfortunately, it it, uh, it doesn't work out from a, just a financial standpoint. But um, I do do some seminars at uh, different trade shows during the winter and 
um, some speaking engagements, and I talk a lot about straw bale gardening. I also have a background in landscape design as well, so I talk about um, other topics like that as well um, when I when I do speaking engagements. But straw bale gardening is the big thing right now, and, and there's lots of people out there that like to hear about it and, and look at different techniques of how it can work for them. Uh, so if they're willing to listen, I'm willing to speak. <laughs> people can reach you by going, they can contact you by going to your Facebook page or your website, correct? Absolutely, yep. yep. Either place, uh, my email's there, my phone numbers are there, I'm uh, about as public of a guy as, as there is. So uh, everything's out there. If people are interested in taking a look and, and want to get in touch with me, they sure can do that. Well, I just think that uh, this is the greatest thing since Cheerios, and, and maybe even <laughs> This is just, I'm excited, and, and I want to thank you, Joel, for, for joining us tonight. I told you this was going to be a fast hour. It has just flown by for me. Um, it did. It just, uh, I just feel like I have learned so much and that you have, you know, given of your knowledge to us. I, I, we appreciate that. And I'm going to send you photos. And, Roseanne, I hope you send Joel some photos of your black thumb gardening. I bet it turns out really great. I, I just, you know, I just have no doubt that this is going to be your successful gardening year, Roseanne. And, uh, Joel, thank you for joining us. I hope that uh, some, some evening that we can have you back and maybe you'd like to talk about uh, landscaping and so on and, and uh, straw bale gardening is, is the big thing for me. Corey? Well, thank you, Joel, and this has been really a great show tonight, don't you think? I think it's I just want to say thank you to both of you as well for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I uh, look forward to speaking with you again sometime. I'd, I'd be happy to talk about whatever subject you're interested in talking about. I'm always open. Anything to do with horticulture or landscape design. Terrific, because... Um, one of my passions is gardening. I moved into this house uh, five years ago, and it had been a rental house for many years. So, needless to say, the the property was pretty uh, pretty barren. And uh, having worked in a greenhouse, I had access to a lot of plants and perennials and so on that uh, we couldn't sell because they were scraggly. And so, I got to bring them home. And I'd, I'd like to say my yard looks pretty good. I might even send you a picture of that. And um, love to see it. We just are hoping that uh, everybody success with your straw bale gardening. Joel, thank you and good night. We'll be talking again, I'm sure. Rosemary. All right, sounds good. Okay, and next week, Cassie Pass to astral Cassie projection. I, I almost screwed over. Screwed. Messed up. Yes, I screwed up. Messed up. Whatever I did, I did something to it and. That's not important. Cassie Pass, Astral Projection, next week. So please tune in so, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Everyone, don't forget to check out Straw Bale Gardening. On Straw Bale Gardening. Check us out and like us on Facebook, although we all know you like us anyway. You have to prove it on Facebook at facebook.com slash seriousbusinessradio and me at facebook.com slash Lejeune. Check out our website for the timer till the next show and all the information at seriousbusinessradio.com. And visit Roseanne on Tuesday nights, Blog Talk Radio, Roseanne Carroll card reading. She'll read your cards for you, and she's usually right on the mail. Everyone, let's, let's, let's do this thing. See you next week. It's that time again when we say goodnight and thanks to our delightful guests and our terrific audience. 
visit our website at www.seriousbusinessradio.com. This is Richard Halpern saying see you next week, same time, same place at Serious Business with Chloe and Corey. You've just listened to an IYR The Classics broadcast. Learn more about IYR The Classics at theclassics.itsyourradio.com. It's your radio, the future of radio. www.itsyourradio.com.